18 seconds left, he's got the snap. Back to pass, up in the pocket, shooting it long and deep, and it's picked off! They got it! Terrence Mitchell's got it! And it's all over here now! They can't take it away anymore! 11 seconds left to go! Mitchell takes the football, he's gonna run it down to the best fans, the most patient fans in the league, right to the dog pound, up and in he goes! What's it? What is the date today? Five twenty-eight. Twenty-eighth of May. We're almost in June, right? Yeah. We're also recording. Damn. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode. You know what? I don't know what episode this is in season two. We're having the time of our lives here in quarantine. We're keeping it coming. We're podding. We're glad to be back, Raleigh. What's going on? Hell yeah, that got me pretty fired up after a long day of grinding for the man. We are lucky enough to interview Mr. Chris Rose of the NFL Network, MLB Network. He is a Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Indians, all sports Cleveland diehard fan, and he's the man. But before we get into it, uh, yesterday on the Instagram machine, for those of you that haven't heard, the Browns are having an auction for two lucky fans to be able to script the first 15 preseason plays this upcoming season and we asked you guys to submit your play calls as well as their associated names so here are the best 15 that we came up with ready to hear them yeah bring them all right let's get into it i'm all about slant passes for a quick first down show me the slant passes stefanski nice kid number two literally anything that kitchens didn't call no offense, Freddie. Number three, the longest yard. Baker fires an absolute rocket in the nuts of an official. Very juvenile, but would be kind of sick. What Willie after, too? The SCF, or screw Freddie Kitchens, chub in the backfield on third down in the red zone. For those of you that paid attention to last season, that hits home. Odell throwing deep to Baker. Would love to see it. I like this one. The God please not a draw play on fourth and long. Anything else will do. And then the next one was maybe a draw play on fourth and nine to pay homage to our past. <laughs> well, there you have it. If you have 25 grand, you can go bid on this charity auction. Mr. Stefanski laid it out pretty nice and clear this week. They're looking for someone to call the first 15 plays of the preseason. I would have so much fun doing this. It would be the most outrageous play calls in the history of football. Yeah, and the, the, my favorite ones were the ones that included the Scottish Hammer. Scottish Hammer, nail and coffin, fake punt, Hail Mary, Scottish Hammer, repeat. He kept saying Scottish Hammer. I appreciate it. Moving right along here, the annexation of Puerto Rico. Got to have that. This boring person said, I'd take a knee 15 times so we can save bodies for regular season. It's actually very practical and probably a smarter move in the I long like term. Give the ball to the Scottish Hammer. Have him go beast mode. Repeat. Joe Thomas, future podcast guest, goes in. Tim Couch, last week's podcast guest, throws a Hail Mary to OBJ, future podcast guest. Extra point hit by previous podcast guest, Phil Dawson. Whoever wrote that, thank you. And let's just conclude with, just put the Scottish hammer in at fullback and let him plow. Like Raleigh said, Chris Rose, Cleveland born and raised, 
NFL Network, MLB Network. Very glad to have him on. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Rose. Let's go. But I guess that's why they say every rose has its thorn. Just like every night has its dawn. Just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. Every rose has its thorn. We now welcome on one of the prides of the east side of Cleveland. In fact, if you type in famous Shaker Heights residents, you will see his name along with two gentlemen named Paul Newman and Machine Gun Kelly. You might know him from MLB Network or the NFL Network or a little show that you all probably know called the Best Damn Sports Show, period. We got Mr. Chris Rose joining us. Chris, how are we doing? Paul Newman and Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, uh, that's, I mean, Machine Gun Kelly. That's- <laughs> if you Google famous Shaker Heights residents, you're on that short list that comes up. It's Paul Newman, huh. Machine Gun Kelly, and Chris Rose. I think you're actually ahead of Newman. I think, I think, no, definitely not ahead of Paul Newman. <laughs> I think Fred Willard, who just passed away last week. Rest actually, in peace. Saw that. I think he's a Shaker Heights guy, too. I think he – I don't know how long he grew up there, but, yeah. Fred Willard was a Browns fan, probably. Sad that I just found that out. Yeah, well, that's okay. You can run with it. I mean, you can't have him on the podcast, but you can run with it. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a – You know, that'll be we, an can channel, we can channel his spirit. We'll dedicate this episode to, uh, to him, his memory. So, I'm outnumbered here tonight. For those of you that can't see, I'm wearing a Dayton Flyers hat because I'm a UD alum, and I'm here with my co-host and Mr. Rose, both being Miami alumni. Um, so of course that'll represent just a little bit. So the good thing about this tonight is we've had a lot of guests on in the past here that have been very successful, just like our good friend here, Mr. Rose. But the good thing about this is Chris is actually from Cleveland like me and kind of like Raleigh. Raleigh's kind of uh, an adopted son of Cleveland from a couple hours South. We'll take you. Uh, The lineage comes from Youngstown. That's the ground zero between Steelers and Browns fans. Yeah, I know. You could have gone either way. I know. It would have been a less stressful. No, 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 no. This is a character builder. I know, I know. It's, I'm not the wealthy and powerful man I am today without Youngstown roots and exactly. a solid Miami yeah. University background education. Is that a studio apartment you're coming from? Can you compliment the apartment so when Kate listens, she says, good? Kate, it's kind of horseshit right now. I got to be honest with you. Your boy didn't do a great job. She's <laughs> not going to think that's funny. Two Miami guys. Are your microphones Lacoste too? That's funny. Hey, listen. Thank you. I, you know, Miami gets ripped on for being a the preppiest school, certainly in the Midwest, right? I went from university school, then I went for <laughs> University of Michigan, and then I went to Miami. So, I mean, I actually downgraded in terms of preppiness. Early, Raleigh, you, don't, you probably don't know this, but the university, do you know university school's mascot? Oh. Uh, no. I, do, I can see their colors and their hockey jerseys, but I can't see their mascot, no. 
the mascot's name, the Preppers. Mm. Called the Preppers. I mean, yeah. if you talk about an enforcer-type mascot over the years, like, everybody was like, well, what's your mascot? Some dude in an IZOD? You got a little, uh, you took a discount to go to Miami then after U.S. Yeah, my parents were like, this is great. This is like free tuition. <laughs> Get it? There's all sorts of cheesy questions we could ask you. You know, tell me how you got into sports casting or tell us about your life up until then. We don't do that here in this podcast. We ask just the good, fun questions, of course. My biggest question for you, and everyone listening here knows who you are, right, from MLB, NFL. When I think about if I was put into your chair, into your shoes, which I won't be because there's a reason I'm doing this podcast interviewing you, help me understand, help us understand, you grew up, I know you're a diehard Indians fan, diehard Browns fan. We can talk about the Cavs later, but whatever. When you're on NFL, MLB Network, when you're doing the Super Bowl pregame show, all this stuff, how hard is it, if at all, to keep your Browns homerism out of your natural conversation? Well, let's start with the easy stuff. The Browns haven't played in the Super Bowl. So when I'm doing all the Super Bowl coverage, it's pretty easy. God willing, we get to one of those days where I have to deal with that. For our MLB show, Intentional Talk, they accept it. Not only do they accept it, the baseball world that I'm involved in accepts it. Uh, if you've seen my, my studio, which is actually in, in my home, and Kevin Millar has his studio in his home in Austin, Texas, mine's decked out in all tribe gear. You know, I've got a panoramic shot of Jacob's Field. I've got some great photos of, of yesteryear in there. And they want me. I have an Indian's lamp right next to me. But as far as editorially, they know I'm an Indian's fan. Now, I don't sit there and be an Indian's homer. I'm as critical of them as, as anyone. And, and the team knows that. Uh, I pat them on the back when things are going well and when I don't think you know, things are going as well as they should have, I'll bring that up too. In fact, two, two good stories. Eric Hosmer, when he was a member of the Kansas City Royals, the first time he was on, this is probably 2013 or something, uh, he joined us, and at the end of the interview, while we're still on, he goes, hey, Rosie, uh, don't be afraid to throw a Kansas City Royals lamp in there or something. It's like enough with the <laughs> Cleveland homerisms. But guys who come on the show know it. And and that's okay. Like, I think they respect it that I haven't lost my roots. You know, all these sportscasters who say, well, I don't really root for a team anymore. I'm like, you're full of shit. Like, why would you ever stop your fandom? My kid, I have two boys that are 19 and 14, born in Los Angeles. They've lived their entire lives out here. They've been to Cleveland probably 20 to 25 times in their lives. And they are diehard Cleveland sports fans. The L.A. of the Midwest. Absolutely. There you go. I wouldn't want to be in this business if I couldn't still root for my teams, you know? And and getting back to kind of the editorial side of things, I had an Indians player in spring training last year. I brought my, my boys to spring training, and we were fortunate enough to go shag in the outfield. And he comes up, and he had been on our show. And he goes, um, hey, you know, so you're going to rip on me more this year? I was like, what do you mean rip on you? He's like, well, you didn't really want me in the playoff lineup and all that. I was like, dude, stop. I said, you know, you've known me for a long time. And if I feel like something can help us, I'm going to say it. It's nothing personal. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And he's been on the show since then. It hasn't been a big deal. But, you know, that puts you in kind of an interesting situation, too. 
I won't do it on the air, but I think me and anyone with half a brain listening who's a Cleveland fan could probably guess who that Indians player was. So that's you. But that's for another time. Yeah, but it, I mean, we're all good. You know, we we stay in touch. And, um, you know, that's the thing is that you, in this business, and I've been doing this for 25 years now, I've never made anything personal except one time I felt like I may have crossed the line. And if I do that, if I cross the line, then I feel like I need to apologize because you can you can uh, say whatever you want. You can have opinions about guys when they're not playing well, all that sort of stuff. But I think sometimes these personal shots that guys take in our business, that's out of bounds. It's off base. Just because they get paid a lot of money and they play for teams that we love, doesn't mean you have to be buddy-buddy with everybody. And you can still be critical, but – the end of the day you got to remember they're just they're just dudes too for those of you that don't know probably don't care uh i actually went to college with chris's nephew andrew i can't and he set much, this up way, i know you care but the whatever graphics listening shout out lebanon i don't know if they care but they might um andrew mentioned that you've essentially big been to every known Cleveland heartbreak in every sport and each of the three each of the three sports over the years we try to keep things positive but do you have any uh what are some stories outside of obviously the 2016 championship that you may have for us whether it was the drive the fumble yeah any of the world series well hang on 2016 championship and 2016 gut-wrenching loss yeah, I've got stories for it all. Um, and in typical Andrew Kowalik fashion, that's my nephew. He, he exaggerated a little bit. I haven't been to every heartbreak. Red Rite 88 uh, in January of 81. Cardiac Kids, really the first year that I can remember that the Browns were good. I was about to turn nine, and we had season tickets, and I was grounded. I was not allowed to go to the game against the Raiders. Because I had, uh, you guys, I don't even know if you guys had them when you were kids. Those little Playmobil, they used to, they were like little plastic figures. They were, they were big when I was young. And I took a bunch of them and I flushed them down the toilet for some <laughs> odd reason. And I broke a bunch of the toilets in the house and my, uh, my parents grounded me. So I was not allowed to go to the to Red Rite 88. And a bunch of years later, uh, my first on-air job, full-time on-air job, was in Reno, Nevada, which is about three hours from the Bay Area. And it's big Raider country up there, so they get a lot of Raiders that come through. And there was one guy who, Mike Davis, was in town. And I had to go up and interview him. <laughs> and I said, Mr. Davis, you broke my heart as a kid. He goes, you must be from Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> you nailed it. Couldn't, by the way, couldn't have been a nicer guy. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. And uh, he sympathized with me. He was like, I really have no idea why Brian Seif ever threw that pass. And I, oh. we're all in agreement on that. Sorry to cut you off. I had yeah. some questions about the uh, the old school outlook on Red Right 88. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Kevin and I were not alive at that time. But people will act like it was, uh, uh, how do you say it, on par with uh, – the Russell Wilson pick in the Super Bowl where they could have given it to Marshawn. I mean, right. they were well, on the, it was 
like they were on the 14 with a minute left. Sipe had been driving hard that game. The kicker had already missed like two field goals and an extra point. Right. Like it was just a good play by Oakland. I mean, you had Sipe throwing to uh, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, listen, at that age, at nine, at nine years old, I didn't really know as much, obviously, <laughs> here's my life. So I wasn't sitting there thinking strategy as much. But, yeah, Cockroft had missed a bunch of kicks. They were literally playing on a sheet of ice. If you go back and you bring it up on YouTube, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I expected icing to be called half the time. You know, I, I thought they were – that's what it was. I was looking for a blue line somewhere. And um, I, I didn't have a problem for him going for the end zone. But, man, it's it's one of those where it's either your guy gets it or nobody gets it. And in that weather, the ball just – if you look at the slow-motion replay on NFL films, the ball just dies, like, midway through, like at the goal line. Um, so that was tough to take. But, you know, then our next playoff game was, was a strike-shortened season. I don't really count that. We got blown out by the Raiders. one <laughs> five that year. Then, you know, Bernie's rookie year, we win the division at 8-8. Eight and eight. We go down to Miami, and we're up 21-3. to three. And I was like, holy shit, we're going to beat Dan Marino and these fuckers. I was like, we're going to get him. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden, man, it, he just started coming back. And I was like, oh, no. And I think that's where pain really started to seep in because at almost 14 years old, I had a real grasp of what, what it was like. When I was nine years old, like, I was too busy flushing – playmobiles down the toilet and getting grounded to really understand what sports pain was about but it started a run where every year the browns were great and i tell this to my kids all the time i said i wish you guys understood what it was like what it's like when the browns are great when they are great your week flies by like you are so excited after sunday at usually like four o'clock eastern you're like you're looking at your schedule. You're looking at the next closest team in the division schedule, trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to do? Were there any injuries on the team that we're about to play? Like everything that you do for the next six days is about getting you ready for the following Sunday. That is it. And they haven't lived with that. They just don't want to suck. I was like, no, no, no. It's not about not sucking. It's about being great. Like the next year we – make it to the AFC championship game. And I was section 37, row two, seat one. When Man. Brian Brennan caught that touchdown pass to put the Browns up 20 to 13 with five and change to go. And then when the Broncos muff the ball and they fall in it at the two yard line, I remember saying to myself in my head, I was like, we're going to the Super Bowl. We are going, mean, I've never one of those guys ever that says anything. But I oh, said it to God. myself in my head. I was like, we're going to go to Pasadena. I couldn't. And then when they drove down the field and the number of third down conversions they hit, you know, the pass to Steve Sewell, the number of times he just got past Chip Banks on a run, Elway, and all that sort of stuff. And it just fell silent when Mark Jackson caught that touchdown. I was like, and then it still haunts me to this day that we get the ball start overtime. And then it's like third and two, and they hand it off to Herman Fontenot. I was like, what? I was like, you're giving the ball back to that dude, that wizard? Go win the game, Marty. It's funny you say that because I've heard my dad, my uncles, my aunt, they've all talked about this now for the last several years is 
when they were growing up, Sundays were scheduled and based around the football game, right? 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s. Everything you did and planned that day was around that football game. And their biggest fear is because of the last 20 years of the Browns that they're going to lose that younger generation. No. They're not going to have. So I guess what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? No, I don't think you're going to lose the younger generation. The sport's too big. And as we see, you know, every year there's three or four teams that go from out of the playoffs to in the playoffs, right? And so it can, it can flip quickly. And now that you're going to have seven teams per conference, it's going to make it more appealing, right, for us. So, you know, let's just say things haven't gone as planned in the last two decades. I think that's also just the people that I've, I've spoken to from, you know, that generation. There's been a lot of articles written and whatnot. I shouldn't just say my family's the one that's saying it. Is That's a big concern. Is They, they keep wondering, are we going to lose this younger generation? Whoa. Because No. Why would you ever stop? I didn't stop being a fan for the three years that we didn't have a team. And I worked in sports. You know how hard it was? I was working at CNN Sports Illustrated at the time. I had to work every Sunday, and everybody's going nuts in our working newsroom, screaming for their football team. And I had to sit there and write lead-ins for, like, a Falcons-Panthers game. I was like, this sucks. (laughs) But I can't wait until the Browns come back. And people ask me, well, did you ever think about, you know, moving your allegiance to Baltimore or finding a new team? I'm like, hell no. So 20 years of being in the crapper is not going to make me lose my fandom. I don't ever get that. I mean, you can do whatever the hell you want if you're a sports fan. You can go go jump from bandwagon to bandwagon. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. But I just don't get it. And so I'm not losing interest in them. They're kind of – you know, in 2018, they were one of the best watches in the NFL the last seven weeks. Mm-hmm. They really were, and people were rooting for them. I'm, I'm lucky. My job at NFL Network on Sunday, we sit in a theater room where there's about 25 of us, producers, graphics people, people that are working on the shows on a given day. And we're watching all the games on these different big screens at once. And the, there's two huge screens where you can move games into and only one has sound for the entire room to get, okay? So you kind of imagine it. The Browns never get any play in the big screen. Never. Those last seven weeks, they were up on the big screen all the time. And people in that room who have no interest in the Cleveland Browns were rooting for the Browns. That's how quickly it can flip, man. We're right there. It's just... So that's a big, that's a great segue into my next question. So great job by you. You're a pro at it, obviously. You talk about the, the second half of that season. I remember vividly being in a bar with my entire family. It was the last game of the season, and it was the first time in my life where that game actually mattered. Like, if we won this game, things could have happened. I've never had that before, you know, since they came back, obviously. So when you think about the second half of that season, last year we added, you know, Odell Beckham. We had, you know, this what we thought was going to be the coach of our future coming in. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out that well. And now this year we bring in Stefanski, you know, reinforce our line a little better. Do you see this as being a huge make or break year for Baker? It is because of the way NFL contracts work out now. I mean, you've got basically three years to pretty much prove yourself. Um, You know, things are going to change a little bit because the option, the fifth year option can automatically get 
triggered now. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, like the Bears, they decided Mitchell Trubisky is not going to be their guy. Like they said, we're not picking up his fifth-year option. So he's got this year. And if something – if he has an amazing year, a Pro Bowl-type year, and has, you know, 32 touchdowns and 10 interceptions and leads him to the division title – well, then they'll, they'll end up extending him or franchising him or something, I guess. But they've kind of made their decision after three years, right? Uh, it's a little different because of the new new agreements, but Baker knows that. I mean, you can say a lot of things about Baker Mayfield. He's not stupid. Not at all. Right? He's smart. He knows what's going on, and he, he understands that we paid $42 million to a new right tackle, and we used the 10th pick on a new left tackle, and you they – Gave $44 million to a tight end who's 25 years old. And they probably have the best one-two running back combination in the league. He gets it, man. Like, where on this team except for right guard are you going, yeah, I'm really, really concerned. I'm just talking offensively. So how, what's a fair way to set expectations then? Because last year when we put Odell Beckham in. They have to be thought- competing – for a playoff spot. They have to be. I mean, I looked at last year's schedule and I said, man, they got Cincinnati twice, Arizona and Baltimore at home in the last month of the year. If they get to, to the last four games with seven wins, they're in great shape. And they didn't, they weren't at seven wins. And then they, you know, they took care of Cincinnati, but then they get drop kicked in Arizona and the Baltimore end of the half was a debacle and then the Cincinnati game those guys they they you saw what they thought of Freddie with that effort it was a poor effort people say whatever they want about Brown's quarterbacks but I mean Baker's on his fourth head coach now yeah and it's like please God just have a guy in there that knows how to tailor an offensive scheme around the weapons we have or the weaknesses that we have that we are trying to avoid exposure on. Uh, God, I hope they can just well, make all right, sense. Let's, let's this card. A year ago, we're all feeling great about the situation, right? We're super excited. We're not a town that has a lot of, you know, A-listers come through it like Odell, right? Even when we had good teams, we just didn't have brand guys. Just didn't. And, um, you know, everybody said the, the X factor is really Freddie Kitchens. And we all thought, okay, well, he's gonna, we got to give him a shot. Here's a, we're back in it with Stefanski. It's the same deal. You got a guy now in his late 30s who's only been with one organization, who's only called plays a little while. But I feel so much better with him. And I, I met him at the Combine, and I was uber impressed with the guy. I mean, I've talked to some people in NFL circles, and they said he's a guy that's going to win over that room like that. So, and, you know, I think the yeah. that's that's a big deal here. I mean, that is that's huge. I mean, are there going to be growing pains? Is he going to make some mistakes? Absolutely, but I don't think he. I don't think there's going to be any panic in the way whether he calls a game or handles things week to week, and that's not what we got, unfortunately, with Freddie. I wanted to ask you that is if you take off your professional cap for a second and just go just from being a Browns fan. So I know, you know, you, you reported all the teams, right? You report about every coaching change, every game, every Super Bowl. So just from a Browns fan, 
every time we get a new coach, which has been every 20 minutes for the last several years, right. we, we, we try to grasp on all these reasons why. You know, you know, Freddie is because he was he got along so well with Baker. Uh, I don't want to get into the guy before him, but there's always we, we find these reasons to grab on and convince ourselves why that guy's going to be, uh, you know, the Bill Belichick for the Browns. Excuse me, Bill Belichick round two for the Browns. What is, <laughs> what is it about Stefanski that has you excited? I just I like the way he carries himself. Smart. I mean, he's really bright. But he's one of those cool Ivy Leaguers. You know, like there's some. I'm not saying all Ivy Leaguers. My brother's an Ivy Leaguer. One of my brothers is an Ivy Leaguer. Uh, but we know there's a certain stuffy, that side of the Ivy League. And then there's, like, guys that know they're really smart but can walk into a bar and kind of blend in. And I think that's the way Kevin Stefanski is. And most importantly, I think that he can walk in and blend in with a room. And understand that guys do need, you know, one of the first things he said at his press conference was, I want guys to be themselves. They've got to be themselves. But you better be productive and be yourself or I don't have time for you. And when he said that, I was like, oh, that, that's a win. <laughs> you know, this wasn't Joe Judge taking over the New York Giants like, and this is the way we're going to be. And I'm not going to call guys by their first names. I would be like, what the hell? Like, he can't even mention Saquon Barkley's name? Like, really? He's not your starting running back? Well, nobody has won a job here. You won't be here very long if Saquon Barkley's ass is on the bench and you're handing the ball off to somebody else, dude. Sorry, that's not the way it rolls. So I just like Stefanski. I think that, you know, so often guys who come from a coaching tree aren't always themselves. And that's that's a – it's tough, right? I mean, you're branching out on your own. So who are you? He is, he's kind of an anomaly. He is an assistant that stuck through several coaching changes in Minnesota. He's there for a long time. Right? Long so, time. So that doesn't usually happen in this sport. But I think that that's something that could end up benefiting him too. What do you he's think got of- a hell of a jawline too. Dude, that's why I've got the beard right now. My wife was like, gosh, do we have – we really upgraded in our, in our coaching looks department. I was like, yeah. She goes, why don't you try a beard during this pandemic? You've never had a beard. And I was like, yeah. So now not only have I got a beard, I, I think it's, it, I, I got a beard trimmer. I got some, uh, uh some high end dye, you know? Nice. So, yeah. I'm at that age where it'll start to look like Santa Claus. I, uh, yeah. I've never actually had a, beard of this caliber so it's one of the many yeah. silver linings or few silver linings of quarantine you want to borrow my beard trimmer i don't know if that's hygienic right now but i could send it to you at some point i'm spreading awareness for something i don't know what it is but i'm not shaving until it's all over are you spreading awareness for people that shouldn't be growing beards nice that was okay well mr baker mayfield previous <laughs> podcast guest complimented my quarantine beard so okay Whoa. All right, I didn't know he. Right. Wow, well, that's pretty good. I, f- I fished. I fished for the compliment. Actually, damn it, that's not true. I just complimented on him on his beard, and I was hoping that he would return it, like right. in that uh, Modern Family scene. But anyway, but, he probably but, liked it. When Baker came out, one of the things that I asked him was, you know, you have all these new players, you have a new coach, a new GM, just like every other year in Cleveland. But right now, they're meeting every day over Zoom in the phone. Baker had some of the guys down there, you know, last or two weeks ago because Texas is open now, so whatever. 
What are your thoughts on, you know, everyone's very high in Stefanski right now. We're getting the benefit of the doubt. It's Cleveland's what we do for our new coaches. What are your thoughts on how they can come together over Zoom for the last several months and for the foreseeable future? Well, I mean, there's a ton of teams in the same boat. Really, I mean, there aren't a lot of teams where you feel like, okay, uh, yeah, if we just have to hit the ground running with training camp in late July, we're going to be okay. I mean, if you're the Saints, you feel good, right? I mean, you've got a future Hall of Fame quarterback and a coach who've been together for 15 years doing it, and they're not bringing in that many new guys, right? The Saints didn't have a big draft. They didn't sign a ton of free agents. You know, Emmanuel Sanders is a guy they're going to have to work in, but he's a veteran. Um, I mean, yeah, it's they're just going to have to speed things up. The learning curve is going to have to be more vertical for young guys. You just, you know, and the Browns put an emphasis on intelligence. And this year it's going to have to show out a little bit. You know, you're going to have, if you're going to be young and you're going to want to play, we don't have time for dummies. Baker did a live stream yesterday today with the reporters and media. He says something along the lines of, I'm I'm done talking. It's got to happen out there on the field. And that got a lot of steam on Twitter. Right. Well, okay. So it's, and I applaud him for that. I I do think that, you know, he's going to, he has to continue to mature in that area while not losing his edge, right? That's a delicate balance when you're talking about professional athletes. I mean, it has got him this far, right? It got him as a walk-on at two schools, won a Heisman Trophy, ended up being the first pick of the draft at six foot nothing. And, and here he is trying to turn around a real dormant franchise. So you don't want to lose that side of it. But to say that, well, I'm going to keep quiet, that's fine at the end of May because he hasn't done anything wrong right now. But what happens when he has a, a three-interception game in September? How do you handle it then? I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but, man, every quarterback has a clunker now and then. How do you handle it? Are you going to be bothered when Colin Cowherd goes, and that's why you should have taken Sam Darnold. Like, that's when he has to take a step back. It's not late May. It's when the cannons are firing. That's when he has to tell himself, hey, I'm pissed off, but I'm going to keep it here. I'm not going to take it there. From a professional standpoint, a professional analyst standpoint, what are your thoughts on the Scottish Hammer? Why is he going to be the greatest kicker in NFL history? Punter, excuse me. Not already? Yeah, right? Like, are, are you guys as pumped up about him as we are? Or like, what does what uh, a colleague of yours think about the Scottish Hammer? Yeah, I think if anything. Probably, my guess is if the Browns are any good, that probably a, a bunch of my friends on Good Morning Football on NFL Network are going to hop on that train because they are always looking for the oddball story a little bit. And uh, so my, my guy, Peter Schrager might hop on that train this year, you know, <laughs> um, Schrager seems to be as well connected as anybody and loves stories like that. So I might, I might poke the bear on that one a little bit and be like, Schrager, you're, you're losing your grip, dude. You've not once mentioned the Scottish hammer. Let's go to town, bro. I mean, you know, everybody should be hunting and kilts. It's really, yeah, right. really ramp up ratings. If you look at the guy's Instagram stories, putting Rocky and Rocky Four that training montage to shame. I know it's like training in the wilderness, doing all of these insane things. I'm just like, yeah. We've talked a lot about Baker and Stefanski in the next year. I want to hear your thoughts 
both as an analyst and as a Browns fan of this last draft class and how we are now LSU North. There, there, there must be some sort of pipeline from Baton Rouge to, uh, to Cleveland. I always take a step back after the draft. I love the draft. I love covering the draft. It's a ton of fun. There's a ton of enthusiasm and hope. But I'm it's, also, our, it's our Super Bowl. Maybe this is my downfall, is that I'm such a practical fan. I won't look at the success of a draft until five years later. And for some reason earlier today, I was looking through the first 10 picks of the 2015 draft. Okay, so that's the Jameis Winston draft. How many of the top 10 picks do you think are still on their team? Oh, of the Browns? No, of the top oh. 10 picks that were drafted. Two. I, Two. Right? I'm going to go with one. One is correct. There's one guy in the top 10. And not that some of them have had really good careers so far. Like Todd Gurley was 10th, but he's moved on to Atlanta. Amari mm-hmm. Cooper was traded from the Raiders to the Cowboys. So my point is, is that we can be super excited, but I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, we hit all the right notes. We needed a a tackle. We think we've got a guy who moved from right to left and can do it. Uh, We needed a safety. We got a guy who, if he had come out after 2018, would have been a top 15 pick. He didn't play as well. He had a bum ankle. So he fell to us in the second. We're excited about that. We needed uh, somebody to help us stop the run. Jordan Elliott is a really good talent, we think. Um, we needed a linebacker. I don't – I'll be honest with you, I watched a ton of LSU football. I hadn't really heard of him until draft night. So, it doesn't mean that he's not a good player. I'm just saying that I, th- I thought we kind of whiffed a little bit on the linebacker situation here in the offseason, and I hope it doesn't kill us. To me, it feels a little bit like – like, there's not a great linebacker. Like, Mac Wilson's obviously going to start. That's but my guy. That's my little, guy. Yeah, it feels a little bit like the Indians outfield over the last few years. Like, I feel like we're platooning a bunch of linebackers. Like, okay, you do things well on first down, and you can play on second down. Like, I want some guys that are going to line up and ball for some dogs. Yeah. Three downs. And I don't know if we've got that right now. That scares I me. I did read something on reddit today that joe wood said uh or maybe hinted that they may have a defensive scheme that's less built around the linebacker so hey that makes sense listen i understand that but to me who are we trying to catch in this division baltimore yeah you need guys that can run but are also big enough to take on blocks because they will run three tight ends at you because if you go small with fast guys, too small, they're going to run right over you. And then if you go too slow, Lamar's going to keep the ball and run past you. And that's why finding the right pieces at that linebacker position, to me, it's just critical. I was begging for Simmons to fall to us. I got one more kind of off-topic question for you. If you go to the Chris Rose Wikipedia page – Oh, no. The- the picture, oh, the profile picture for that page is you and Marissa Miller. Now, yes. Marissa Miller is SI swimsuit issue model, Victoria's right. Secret. Uh, she was number one on Maxim's Magazine 200, or excuse me, 2008 Hot 100 list. Yeah. For us, you know, regular guys out here, how does one get to have a picture with Marissa Miller as their profile picture? Well, a few reasons. First of all, she was a little intimidated because – 
with how beautiful my wife is. So she was like, man. <laughs> nice. This guy's a pro. <laughs> this guy's a pro. I respect that. I respect that move. It actually centers around the best damn sports show period. I'll show you this. Do you see that picture up there? Oh, yeah. You know that? That's an, old best, oh, yeah. that's an old best damn painting up there. So it all goes back to the best damn sports show period. When we did a, I don't think you could do this today, but we did like a bracket of like the hottest. <laughs> you can't do it today. No, you couldn't. But, you know, this is 2004 or five or whatever. And we had like a draft. Each of us had like a, a bracket draft. And then the fans would vote. And I drafted Marissa Miller on my quadrant. And she won the whole tournament. And she came on and she gave me a big hug. And a, she was like, thank you so much for drafting me. I was like, it was tough. You know, we, we, sat, in the, we sat in the draft room and considered it a while. It was all in good fun. We were just having fun. And we, we, cleared, we actually cleared it with everybody's representatives. Like Jessica Alba was on it and – all that we were like if we do this are you guys going to be okay with it and they were like of course it's all in good fun we weren't back then it was yeah and then i ended up doing a some sort of promotional event with her at the rose bowl and that's how that happened it's not a great picture of me uh if if there's a the definition of uh dad bod and you need a uh a visual to go with it that's mine but then again people really aren't looking yeah i was just gonna say i don't know if they're looking at you yeah. But, I mean, it's an okay picture. All right, have you heard about the campaign that the Browns are having a absolutely share? What is it? A auction for two Love lucky it. fans to draft the first fifteen plays of the preseason. Um, uh, last time I heard the bidding was at like twenty five grand or something. What play would you like to see called? Describe it, and what would you call the play? Okay. Um... So I want to run uh, – it's going to be in the fourth preseason game against Tampa Bay. Uh, this will be the game where, you know, I don't want any of my regulars playing, okay? I'm not one of those guys that needs to dream big. I'm all about getting through the preseason healthy, all right? Absolutely. Back, it goes back to being a practical Browns fan instead of just saying, hey, I want to call this play for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I wonder if will actually listen. And That's I, me. Hey, come on, Raleigh. <laughs> um sweet beard by the way and then that, that, i want to run i want to run the old nebraska fumble ruski <laughs> you remember the fumble ruski in the orange bowl in which bernie kosar uh won you know helped miami to its first national championship you got to look this one up nebraska who back then under tom osborne had the sweetest option team ever. They would just run the ball down your throat with all these juiced up offensive linemen who were like 27 years old because they held them back four or five years. And then um, they, they ran this play where I think Turner Gill was the quarterback. The ball hits his hands. He can't put it on the ground because that's illegal. It had to hit his hands, fall to the ground, and their right guard, Dean Steincooler, pulls through, picks up the ball, and runs toward the left for a touchdown. It is the greatest play, so I'm <laughs> going to bring back the old fumble ruski. Like, everybody always says the sequel's never as good as the original. You better believe 
that if Drew Forbes is in the game at right guard and we're running this thing, we're scoring. You heard it here first. Starting with Chris Rose and us, we're going to be fundraising and crowdfunding for the twenty-five grand to win that competition to get the Fumbaruski in there. But with that being said, Mr. Rose, very much appreciate you coming out here tonight. For those of you listening, you can find him on Twitter. You'll never guess his Twitter name is at Chris Rose. Great follow. Check him out. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you soon for that uh, Super Bowl parade down East Ninth. I'll be there covering it. Don't uh, don't be ashamed to say hi, and uh, just make sure, um, Raleigh, that you, you clean up the apartment because I don't want Katie to off with your uh, pillow stack. <laughs> She's going to kill me. Thanks so much for taking the time. Once again, thank you, Mr. Rose, for coming on. You can follow him on all the social media platforms on Twitter at Chris Rose. Look for him on NFL and MLB Network. That does it for this week. Raleigh. Yeah, another week. Hopefully quarantine's over. I don't know. That's probably not going to happen, but whatever. Keep your chins up. Keep grinding. Good night, Cleveland.